Listen up campers, welcome to Hauntsville Hills Summer Camp. We're going to be doing a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing, a lot of camping. We've got an activity filled summer, so I hope you're all ready to survive the night. You know, there's a lot of strange things that happen out in these woods, so I want to make sure y'all are prepared. I'm sure y'all have heard of those omens of death and misfortune. Those birds out there, they alert you to something strange in the woods. You may be thinking of ravens, you may be thinking of crows, but when you hear this sound, that there is the sound of the loon. That means there's a weirdo lurking in the woods and you don't want to be anywhere near when something strange goes down. So let me introduce you to your camp counselors. Hi, I'm Anthony, and uh, I can't tie a knot and I can't swim. Uh, I'm Doza. I'm going to be uh, the lifeguard uh, counselor here, and... Uh, I need you all to stay afloat, because I also cannot swim. I'm Anna, and I'll be your archery teacher. And I can hit a bullseye from 50 meters, but I can't eat trail mix. Who hired y'all? I'm super excited to talk to you guys about summer camp today. It's such a vast genre in the horror subgenres. And I think, personally, Friday the 13th gets way too much credit. Obviously, it's the most well-known, so it's going to get the most credit. But it's just sad that it's it overwhelms things that are much better. And to be fair, the only one that I've watched that's based on a summer camp that is better than Friday the 13th for me is Sleepaway Camp. I think those films are actually better. I definitely agree with you on that one. I, up until we started talking about doing this episode, I had only ever seen the first Sleepaway Camp. And to me, that's like, perfect film. Sleepaway Camp and Friday the 13th Part 1 rely on virtually the same reveal for only being a few years apart from one another. But personally, I think Angela's character is much more compelling than Pamela's character. And I finally got around to watching Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3, And it's just a wild, fun ride from beginning to end of that series. And I sat there and I was like, why do people talk about Friday the 13th so much more than Sleepaway Camp? Especially because I ruined a certain something for myself during my research of Sleepaway Camp. It's because you researched it while we were watching it. Okay, (laughs) we went from watching Sleepaway Camp 1 to Sleepaway Camp 2. And I was like, well, that's odd. Why did they recast Angela? So I had to know. I couldn't wait till the end of the film to figure out if it was addressed and it turns out that the initial plan for the sleepaway camp franchise was that they were going to reveal big spoilers obviously it's the hauntsville crypt cast for 20 something episodes and you should know by now they were going to reveal that not only did peter who is now angela survive the boating accident but also the original angela survived and they were going to have pamela springsteen face off with felissa rose But unfortunately, that never happened. The company went bankrupt during the filming of Sleepaway Camp 4, which is an absolute clusterfuck. And apparently there is a Sleepaway Camp 5, which I didn't realize until like way late with an awesome reveal. But they never got around to doing this initial big plan of this giant reveal of both children having survived the boating accident. 
in my head it doesn't really make sense that both of them survived just because that opening scene for sleepaway camp it's just kind of obvious that one of them died or i just don't know how they would have survived because i mean all they show is the tattered life vest if it was that tattered and it was on them it doesn't really make sense but uh, yeah they didn't end up doing it it would have been cool sleepaway camp 4 is just a shit show but they bring Velissa rose back in for sleepaway camp 5 Return to Sleepaway Camp is Sleepaway Camp 4, which is what Doze is talking about, where they bring Felissa Rose back. But Sleepaway Camp, as in the fourth one that was released, is not actually called Sleepaway Camp 4. The fifth one that they brought out in the franchise is called Sleepaway Camp 4. The fourth one in the franchise that they made is a shit show, because they're just filming the person that's supposed to be Angela, who has, like, amnesia... And they just film her going, I remember when this happened. And then they cut to footage from the films. It's like a really bad way of getting away with watching the first three sleepaway camps. But the first three are just so fun. Like the first one has a more serious tone to it. And then the second and third one are just like quintessential 80s cheese. I don't know. And you're on Angela's side because all these kids are dicks. Like she just wants everyone to be polite and to be good kids. And to just behave themselves. And I just think that's really funny. Just the way she's just like, you're going to die because you were rude. I've got kind of a hot take on two and three. So one, you have Peter having grown up as Angela and having the initial trauma of surviving this boating accident, losing a sibling, growing up being associated with the gender that they don't typically associate with, and being virtually completely mute. But then by Sleepaway Camp 2, Angela undergoes gender reassignment surgery, is much more peppy, much more comfortable, much happier. And I think that's a cool way to get into that character's head in like, now that we've seen them go through this trauma, seen them survive death, survive grief, survive damn near sexual abuse, and kind of come into their own, we're that much more apt to follow them on this journey. While we don't normally root for killers, we're out to watch them readjust this kind of shitty surrounding at summer camp yeah completely and it's kind of nice especially during the 80s to kind of show this thing like yeah now that she's feeling more comfortable in her own skin and now she feels more free to express herself yeah obviously killing people isn't the greatest of expressions to find but it is nice to make the point that like now she's happy now she feels that she can be herself but it also shows that level of trauma from childhood doesn't go away no matter what you do so yeah i think it's pretty smart for a really silly film but Dozer, you don't like the third one uh i i thoroughly enjoyed the first one and like with my background interest in serial killers like uh i see a lot of henry lee lucas and Otis tool in the the character of angela and i think that's very interesting so that that, that's where like my my interest was going into watching these movies and having it go away from that and move towards the campiness took away any sort of interest that i had for it anymore it became too generic for me it's just like you said another campy 80s movie and i was like i've seen a million of these i want more of the way that the first one made me feel i i enjoyed the second one and anything beyond that whatever hard pass if they had gotten around to their original idea i would have been all on board for five sleepaway camps oh yeah yeah very very different but it just we we got cobbled together leftovers stitched in with flashbacks to the things that we've already seen it just lost its charm for me from there to the end 
I'll definitely give you that one. I just think it's super fun. I, I mean, I agree that it wasn't needed, and it is a completely different tone from the intelligence, I guess, of the first one. Yeah, I just think it's super fun. I think the makeup's great in Sleepaway Camp. It holds up. I'm not really a gore person, so I don't, like, if someone said to me, like, oh, yeah, you got to watch this film, like, all the deaths are really, really fun, I'd be like, yeah, all right, fuck off. I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not interested in that. But the deaths are really fun and inventive, and they're kind of hilarious, and they don't shove gore in your face, and they use a lot of implication rather than, like, just showing you really horrific things. I think that's always the smartest way to go. Do you guys know how they did the, uh... Felicity Rosehead at the end of the first Sleepaway Camp? No. I should have looked into that. It's uh, interesting. It looks awesome. It Literally, it's uh, a mask cast from her face. You wouldn't even fucking tell. Like, the, the detail that they put into it looks so realistic and so unbelievably creepy that even still watching this again, I get chills Every from time. that ending. Yeah. It's so, so good. That scene definitely stays with you afterwards for a good, good while. It's like a silent scream that just, you're waiting for something and it's just, it never comes and you're left with that lingering, horrifying truth. The best thing that you can do with horror is make people feel uncomfortable and awkward. Oh and yeah. that's like in How's October Built with the porcelain girl just standing, like literally coming onto the bus, sitting down, screaming, and then going away. You're like, what the fuck was that? And it makes you feel uncomfortable and it terrifies mm-hmm. you. And that's what that last scene does. I'm like... I want you to move. I want you to say something. I want you to scream at least. <laughs> it's like, such stop a good it. <laughs> have the combination between like with the the flashback to Peter becoming Angela coupled with the reveal to the characters in the film like you feel a weird mix of like sort of sympathy and understanding combined with that that unease that it gives you and I literally just like <laughs> didn't know how to feel and that that's for me why it sticks around for so long. I think, like, expertly done. I'm never a fan of, like, flashbacks and dream sequences, but that film, like, when they do the, like, spinning bed of, like, is it Angela, is it Peter, like, Mm -hmm. who's who, and uh, them walking in on their dad with his lover and, like, everything that made this character who they are, like, that was a quick trip down the psyche done real well. Mm -hmm. It's it's sort of dreamy in a way. It like it takes you on a, like a literal trip, and when it spits you out the other end, you're just like, I feel different. Before we go into something, I don't I don't mean to like sidetrack or anything, but why do you guys think that summer camp movies veer towards the direction of almost always ending up as a slasher film? That's a big part of the reason why I wanted to talk about summer camp films as a just kind of a general whole. For me, I think it's the idea of one, the things that you're around. It's wilderness survival. I want to talk about like campers and slashers who utilize what's around them to either survive or do their killing. I mean, when you think of sleepaway camp, the deaths are innovative because they're using what's around them. When you think of some of the most iconic Friday the 13th deaths, they can only happen in this campground setting because of what's around. You also have the urban legends that people have been telling time and time again to scare kids into staying out of the woods, even before sleepaway camps of just a stranger in the woods. It's the unknown. You don't know what's out there. This is a lot of kids' first foray into 
being away from home, being away from their families. There's isolation in community of people who are trying to be a part of a new clique, people who are trying to separate from who they were, people who are there for new experiences. You've got the counselors who take it too seriously. You've got the campers who take it too seriously. And so it's this microcosm of this greater world in in this whole like fear of the unknown again. So did you guys find anything that was not a slasher that you watched? Yes. Ooh. So what did, what non-slashers did you guys find? So the main one that comes to mind for me, excuse me because I was going to use this as my recommendation. No! I really was going to talk about most of the slashers that I watched because above and beyond what the genre is. But Bunks, I highly recommend Bunks. I haven't seen it. It looks and feels like an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, but it's so fun and it's so good. It's a summer camp zombie film. Oh, so so is is my non-slasher. Oh? Yeah, what the fuck is up with that? You're, What's yours? Summer camp. Oh, I didn't get around to watching that. I wanted to. Oh, it's <laughs> maybe skip it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, it's it's interesting. Like they they set they set it up and everything, and I was like, oh cool! All you have to do is just swing the bat, and this will be a home run. It's uh, a bunch of infected animals get out and infect campers with this sort of zombie virus, but the the effects are all CGI, and the the characters are like bland and unlikable. And I was like, this could have been so fun. It sounds uh, like your movie should have been what Bunks is. But, like, I, I wanted to like summer camp so bad. It's four American camp counselors at a European summer camp. So you get, like, the fish out of water feel of, like, all right, we're going into something new and weird. And I was like, okay. And then they're going to run into zombie animals, which will be fun. But, like, if they were done practically, fuck yeah, it would have been so dope. But it's it captures that summer camp feel, but very, very briefly. And then you're just out of it. That sucks. And I'm sorry you went through that. Bunks <laughs> is like, they did everything practically. It's not the most cutting edge practical effects, but like, they're good. They're good zombies. And it's like the definition of being on the side of the campers and seeing how they utilize what they learned at summer camp in order to stop this zombie infestation. That's also kind of rare for me to find in stuff like this, where like I'm rooting for the campers. Very infrequently am I doing that. Because so much of it is like, here's 30 people that you're not going to get attached to. We're going to give you a minute of their time, and then they're going to die. Because that, they feel obligated to sort of boil them down into tropes. So you can be like, that's loud jockey guy that nobody likes. That's the funny one. And these are girls. <laughs> and you go, okay, I understand now it's summer camp. I didn't find any that weren't slashes, but I'll be honest, I didn't find many summer camp movies. But I think, I mean, we don't have summer camps here. Um, really? It's, it's very much an American thing. Like, What do you, you do say, during the summer when your parents are tired of you? <laughs> you? You go to your mates' houses and stuff. We don't really have them. So I have, obviously there's no British summer camp movies. Everyone that I heard of when I like Googled summer camp horror films... I would look them up and then not be available to watch in the UK. So I I didn't get very far. Um, Interesting. With that, I actually only watched two new movies, and they're old movies a year apart from each other. I watched Madman and The Burning. Um, Hell yeah! Which were released one year after one another, but um, I wasn't that happy. So I actually preferred Madman to The Burning. But I'm going to talk about Burning first. 
because okay, okay I'm just gonna say this first actually um Madman and The Burning were in production at the same time and they were both originally about Cropsy. So when The Burning was released in 1981, the makers of Madman went, oh fuck! And they had to change everything about their film because oh, no. it was basically about to be the same film. So it that's, still is kind of close. Yeah, exactly. So that's <laughs> that's a good reason why Madman is slightly disjointed. Um, mm. So I will give it that, and that's probably the reason why I prefer it. Yeah, The Burning, I was just really disappointed. Everyone's hyped that film up to me for years and said it's like an 80s classic and I just haven't been able to get a hold of it. So when it finally came on Shudder, we decided that we were going to watch it. <sighs> there was just so much It's I didn't nothing enjoy. for an hour and a half. Yeah. Whoa. <sighs> uh, okay, so super unpopular opinion. Tom Savini's makeup really doesn't hold up. His creature designs, great execution of his makeup Mm -mm. before it even came up with tom savini doing the makeup there was like a splash of blood and i went yep that's tom savini blood but the funny thing is he did the makeup on madman and the burning so why the fuck didn't he warn them like oh this this is weird i'm doing basically the same film all like two films that are exactly the same at the same time and he didn't think to tell the other ones like but yeah apart from the makeup i did enjoy the beginning I got really hopeful because there's like a Carpenter-esque homage where uh, he's stalking one of the kids and you get a point of view from the serial killer um, and it's basically like the opening of Halloween. And before that, we see the accident with Propsy and immediately after, instead of going like five years later, which is normally what happens, we actually follow his transition going into hospital, coming out of hospital, and like the trauma that he goes through, and I was like, this is a really interesting perspective of actually following the killer after the accident to see like what he actually went through, instead of being like, surprise, he survived. So I did appreciate that, but what was it, like an hour before someone died? In the film? The, the first death takes place at about 50-something minutes. Yeah. No, the first death takes place almost uh, immediately. Not counting. It didn't take place at the summer camp for one. But also, what the fuck was that? Like, it was so random. I mean, Anthony, you did try and defend that one. Okay, I, I, I kind of liked that transition into Cropsy being a murderer. Because before then... He's like honest camp counselor. He gets pranked on because he's like too rigid in his structure. Prank goes wrong. A bad prank to begin with. He gets <laughs> set on fire. And so he goes through this transition. They talk to him about how like the skin graft didn't take. He's got this like crazy fucked up face. And it looks like he's about to go into trying to live a normal life. He's like dressed in a you know, a long coat and a hat and like trying to like mask his features meets a very intoxicated sex worker who uh, they seem to have struck some sort of agreement where he's going to go back to her place, have a sense of kind of just getting back to a normal life, I guess. And then in the light, she sees his face for the first time. She starts screaming. They're both uncomfortable. And he tries to silence her by like choking her and covering her mouth. But then she grabs for the scissors to attack him and he attacks back he murders her for me that's kind of like him realizing that even like even at this point there's no going back to normalcy for him his life is ruined and these campers are to blame i see a bit of that and also a lot of serial killers got their start the same way where it's almost like an act of opportunity and impulse where they accidentally sort of kill someone and then it just like flips a switch in them like john wayne gacy for example killed his first victim and it made his pee pee hard and he was like i'm gonna do this now 
so yeah like maybe it's just like that first that first kill just like what was the the tipping point where he's just like oh i'm gonna go get those fucking kids like that felt good whatever uh when he gets to the camp is where it starts to like fall apart a little bit i do agree with that and a lot of people like the amount of time where people in like fucking blue jeans spent standing like waist deep in water made me so angry i was like (laughs) you're gonna be so uncomfortable (laughs) um and also fuck this movie for making me attracted to jason alexander for like a second is he the the final boy no jason alexander is the guy from seinfeld this is his first film ever isn't he usually bold yeah yeah that's why he he looks uh kind of good in this movie and i was like hell yeah dude stick around with the girls good on you while all of your friends go and get murdered everything i've seen him in before then he's been like a dick so yeah he was kind of like a goofy guy in this one and i was like huh all right the burning i see what you're doing here (laughs) (laughs) what was up with them following the curly haired kid the whole way through though i thought it was going to be a reveal that he had like some sort of significant connection he was just a weird kid but like so why was there so many times where like we were focused on him throughout the movie and then Cropsey had like multiple times where he could have killed him and like spared him. So I didn't really understand. And it seemed like it, at one point it seemed like he was stalking that kid rather than yeah. anyone else. So there was no reveal to that. Cropsey's motives are weak at best. And the whole reason we follow Curly Hair Kid is so that they could do something to distract us from the quote unquote reveal at the end. It's not a reveal because he basically reveals himself by going, I got kicked out of summer camp five years ago for something. And then goes all like moody and quiet. And you're like, okay, well, that's obviously one of the kids. Yeah. The only kid from the original attempted murder that Cropsey actually kills. And then 30 ancillary nobodies. Yeah, but his choice is to go and like, he's not killing like the dickhead kids, which is usually the nice thing about these movies is like they go for the dickhead kids. Like they do something really stupid and you're like, oh man, that kid's going to die now. It's fine. I don't need to get mad at them. And it's like this guy, this boy tries to rape a girl and then as she runs off and Cropsy steals her clothes, which is fucking horrible. And then kills her. And it's like, why was that your first victim? Like, she's just been a victim. And now you're taunting her and then killing her. What the fuck did she do to you? Like, she has no connection to what's happened to you. So it's not even a revenge. I wanted to like the burning because we first... uh, The first time I saw the trailer for that was during the horror movie lock-in last year. The year before. year before. Because last year we did together. Oh, God, no. (laughs) There's the vignette of him holding the shears up above his head. Like, I'm doing it, and I don't, nobody can see. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and and then bringing them down. And that only happens uh, a couple times in the movie, and they're all in rapid succession, like, stabbing the same yep. person over. And I was like, oh, no, the one thing I was excited for is bad? <laughs> I was so mad about that. The thing that got me is the fact that, because I didn't really know anything about the Cropsey legend. I've heard about the documentary. The urban legend of Cropsey circulated around Staten Island and Manhattan in the, like, 60s to 80s. And Cropsey is, it's the legend of a kidnapper with a hook for a hand who, you know, pinpoints lovers at makeout point or whatever. Sort of like the, they call him the boogeyman of Staten Island. So that urban legend existed. And that was referred to as Cropsey. Then The Burning came out and Madman came out with Cropsey being the focus. And they take what is apparently like 
the oral retelling of Cropsey and the uh, hook hand kind of mutates in a summer camp setting because the car is obsolete. Um, the hook becomes obsolete. So he's just this kind of backwards slasher in the summer camp retelling of this story. So they're doing the summer camp version, whereas most people know Cropsey as the hook handed killer. Then it turned out that there was a pedophile kidnapper murderer on Staten Island who was being called Cropsey after these films came out. And he's being referred to as the real-life Cropsey. So there's a lot of misconception that the films are based off of him, but actually him being called Cropsey is based off of the films. Interesting. I did not know that. When, let's say, Madman and Cropsey, uh, The Burning, came out in 81 and 82. Mm -hmm. By then, I believe the killer's name is reed by then reed had been put in jail once for kidnapping then once more he served 10 months because he picked up 11 school kids in a school bus and drove them to an airport none of them were harmed or injured he just drove them to the airport which is fucking terrifying but they they caught him and he served 10 months in prison for that and he had only had one full-on conviction for, I think, sexual assault and murder by 1979. So by the time these films were in production, he'd only been convicted once for something that has nothing to do with a hook for a hand or uh, summer camp murders. And then later on, they found out that he was responsible for like 10 other deaths, disappearances, kidnappings. They found like he was camping out in the woods near an elementary school and luring kids away and like not taking them very far to do whatever he was doing. Apparently, he was also living in the tunnel network under the school. Ooh. So any of the like car door hook hand car door murders that we have. Car door hook hand car. I don't know. (laughs) So Candyman being a hook hand murderer would have been based off of something like the legend of Cropsey, but the oral retelling of the urban legend and not read and not the camp retelling of the burning or madman there's apparently a documentary on reed and his connection to the cropsy legend and the burning called cropsy uh it came out in like 2014 i think nine yep came out in 2009 uh i didn't get a chance to see it i can't find it anywhere um but from my research, that's what I figured. It's life imitates art, imitates life imitating art. I guess every single summer camp movie that at least I've watched has all been a revenge story, though, rather than just like a random person in the woods that just likes killing people. Madman's basically the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do feel bad for them that they obviously had to go back and change everything, um, but it ends up basically being about this guy who murdered his wife and his kids. And then he was set to hang, but he broke free and escapes into the woods. They're basically sitting around a campfire at the beginning of the movie, explaining that if you say his name, then, which is is very much like the whole Candyman thing, uh, if you say his name, then it will summon him and he will kill you all. And so obviously one of the kids is like, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to say his name. I guess that's him taking his revenge because he's... It's the site where he was supposed to be hung. The sound effects, though, are hilarious. The score in general is so funny on Madman. Like, every time someone dies, there's, like, an Amiga-type, like, sound. Where it's like... And it's like... It felt like playing a video game. 
It's like playing Streets of Rage. And like... Wow. <laughs> you just... You just like... But not good. Um, like, yeah, it's inappropriate <laughs> and way too goofy for what they were trying to do. Yeah. Because there's some scenes that could have been really serious. And then you just get this like video game score on top of it. There is one more thing I want to say about Madman. Um, there Please. is one redeeming thing that I found. Uh, not redeeming, but like... There's something that really linked me back to our Scream Queens and Final Girls episode that we did. Love that episode. Um, the character Ellie in Madman, she's basically like the definition, the original definition of a Scream Queen. As in, all I can imagine her stage directions were, was, you're scared, scream. Because that's all she does for genuinely 17 minutes of the film is just scream like when she dies you're like oh thank god like i just wanted you to stop screaming but that's all her character is she's basically doesn't say or do much just running and being like oh no on the other end of scream queens you do have felissa rose who has become the quintessential camp horror girl she's made so many cameos in summer camp horror films and she's gone on to do just a ton of horror she's definitely a scream queen for having only been in two out of the four five ish sleepaway camp movies <laughs> that's all it takes man you know fucking jamie lee curtis is only in a handful of the halloween films we don't gotta count h2o i you know <laughs> I, I i almost said two <laughs> but, but then i was like eh, well, i'll give a couple but yeah it's just awesome to see that like she went full in on the genre. She's like another one of those people who's super responsive to what the fans call for. Even to the extent of while I was looking into summer camp horror films, I came across Summer Camp Massacre. I didn't get a chance to watch it. But uh, the Amazon uh, log line makes it super confusing because it's like original Angela of Sleepaway Camp Felissa Rose returns to the woods. And I'm like, is this a non-adjacent Sleepaway Camp movie? But it's not. It's just a bad way of advertising that Felissa Rose is in it. She's just there? <laughs> I mean, I didn't watch it. I didn't get a chance to. But I, it doesn't seem like it has anything to do with Sleepaway Camp. I'm sure she's great. <laughs> I mean, there is a film called Son of Sleepaway Camp that has nothing to do with Sleepaway Camp. Excuse me? No, yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but it is, it is quite... Yeah, it's awesome to see Angela's character, especially in the fact that The Burning was 81, uh, Mad Men was 82, and then Sleepaway Camp was 83. And it's, like, nice to see that, I mean, the first two is just, like, girls are gonna get naked and they don't really mean anything. They're gonna scream. And then by 83, it's like, uh, no, they're gonna be a powerhouse and they're gonna be the killer and they're gonna take control. So I thought that was a win. Because she is a badass. Like, I know you're not supposed to be rooting for her, but you kind of are. Apart from the second one, where, like, she's, like, really trying hard not to kill that really sweet girl. And... (laughs) she's like i really don't want to kill you but you're making that's me character angry. development yeah <laughs> she does oh, try man. and find one good one each time yeah it just it doesn't it doesn't work out that's the thing she just wants to friend i feel bad for her i did love that sleepaway camp 2 went the extra mile to like pay homage to what was happening in horror at the time where they have the two kids dress up as freddie and jason which were obviously like the big movies when Sleepaway Camp 2 came out. And it's just like, yeah, we're we're going to put Angela at those ranks. They also take a nice dig at, at Friday the 13th at one point mm-hmm. where um, I think it's three 
she fishes a hockey mask out of the lake and she goes, there's a lot of trash in this lake. And they talk about how the date <laughs> is like uh, Saturday the 14th or something. I also like the fact that they use Freddy's glove in the second one for a kill. Yeah. I thought that was, that was kind of cool. Are they allowed to do that? Well, I mean, Sam Raimi stole the glove, so like, I don't know, maybe it's just... <laughs> yeah, no rules in film. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of the Hauntsville Cryptcast is brought to you by Reanimated Apparel. Check them out at letsreanimate.rip to pick up some spooky shirts, hoodies, undies, you name it. And save 10% by using our code Hauntsville at checkout. That's letsreanimate.rip or at letsreanimate on Instagram. Now back to the episode. I've got four and a quarter more movies I want to mention. Oh man, I'm only down to Friday the 13th, so go for it. So, I had an interesting foray into some weird stuff. Any of you guys seen Moonstalker? No. I've never even heard of it. No. It's it's an independent film uh, that came out in 89, but you would think it was filmed in like the mid-70s. Like, it looks like garbage. It's it's very fun, very interesting. It's not necessarily a summer camp, but it's a bunch of people that are camping in the summer in the mountains in Nevada. It's got elements of there being an urban legend of a psychotic killer that like c- patrols the mountainside and will come and kill you if you camp over here, which I thought was a really cool premise. Turns out that that is true. There is a, a mentally deranged person who travels around with his father uh, who lets him loose upon uh, random campers while he goes into their tents and cars and stuff and steals all their valuables. Like true in the world of the movie or true in Nevada? In the realm of the movie. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting. Like it's a it's a slasher with motivation beyond revenge. It's a slasher with a greed aspect. This dude has no remorse, six his deranged son on these campers and he is like a mix between sort of Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, where he's silent, seemingly supernaturally strong, but he he stalks them and he's got like this iconic look where he's dressed like a cowboy lumberjack. Oh, <laughs> it's very strange. He's got like a flannel and a cowboy hat and these big thick sunglasses on. This guy, pretty resourceful. A lot of very fun, interesting kills in this one for an independent film. Makeup looks awesome. It, like, really pushes the sort of, like, deranged aspect of this guy. We're just like, oh, this dude's fucked up. Because he starts, like, arranging the the campers in typical campfire, like, sitting around a campfire positions. And he makes them rock back and forth while he's playing a song on, like, a tape cassette of, like, them singing. Like, I think it's like she'll be coming around the mountain or something. This sounds dope. It's, it's very, very good. It's, like, weirdly poignant at times you don't care about any of the characters and you're just kind of like waiting for the next kill which sometimes i just want uh every once in a while like i want to turn my brain off and just watch some weird shit happen on my tv that's what a lot of the summer camp genre is good for because like as we're trying to find all these summer camp movies i came across a lot of i guess i'll call them parodies obviously sleepaway camp and friday the 13th set the bar for what a summer camp horror film would be but then like I watched Spirit Camp, and that was just a straight-up parody of the summer camp slasher genre. Camp Death Part 3 in 2D is <laughs> so hard to sit through. And hard uh, to say. But it's 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 a parody of the summer camp genre. And like that that just becomes what they are. It's it's nameless faces being 
slashed by this trying to be iconic knockoff of an urban legend. It's like a campfire story in itself. It's a retelling of a retelling of a retelling and everybody's trying to put their own spin on it. And it gets goofier and goofier as you go along and soon you have a bastardized version of whatever we started with. Yeah. Although cheerleader camp is sort of like a parody done well. It's actually called cheerleader camp. It's called cheerleader camp. Okay. Maybe uh, that's I ha- what I was supposed to watch instead of spirit camp. <laughs> you should have. I was tr- I the struggle I felt trying to watch this movie while like searching I, I couldn't think of the name and I was like searching cheerleader movies on Amazon. I was like, "Ah, oh, it's not this one. Ah, oh, it's not this one." But it's got the uh, an excellent excellent summer camp vibe. It's uh, a summer like week-long cheerleading retreat and competition. The cheerleaders just like suddenly start ending up getting murdered and like there's twists and turns and red herrings and it's like an absolute blast but it also has like a weird amount of humor uh stitched into it where like some of the bits almost feel like they're from a wet hot american summer like i several times throughout this movie i laughed out loud like there's an excellent scene where all the cheerleading teams come and they all have a mascot and the scene is just all the mascots in their costumes trying to figure out a way to eat their lunch in fun and different creative ways, like where all the different mouth holes are in their giant mascot heads. And it was gold, absolute gold. There's a terrible rap scene in it that's very, very, like if the Beastie Boys were on Quaaludes. And <laughs> kills are great. It's a it's a very fun, well done whodunit, which I, I love a good mystery. And you, I spent literally the entire time like trying to figure it out. Okay, <laughs> I really wish you had watched that one instead, man. Yeah, me too. It was and fucking like, blast. I just looked it up because before you mentioned like the mascot scene, I was like, this sounds exactly like Spirit Camp. But I looked at the poster for Cheerleader Camp and I'm like, oh, I've bypassed this movie at Blockbuster my entire life. Wow. It's great because it follows specifically like one of the cheerleaders who has these nightmares and she dreams of killing all the other cheerleaders and then they start ending up dead because she thinks her boyfriend's cheating on her with all the other cheerleaders. And he kind of is a little bit. So fucking whatever. Following her, I'm just like, is she doing this? Is she is she psychic? Is she sleepwalking? Is she crazy? And it's it's fun. It sort of blurs the line between dream and reality. Uh, I think she even has a line where she's like, I th- uh, oh, I'm dreaming right now. And one of the other characters has to be like, this is happening. That's another popular trope of the summer camp genre is the the dreams, the nightmares, the premonitions. Uh, I can't remember if we were watching Creeped Out or Are You Afraid of the Dark? But one of them has a an episode with like the importance of making a dream weaver in summer camp. That sounds cool. Even when you go back to Friday the 13th, like uh, the, the premonitions that people have at Camp Crystal Lake, they don't make sense. So like, why is that? A part of the genre. Fear gets into your head and does weird stuff with your brain. It makes you dream up nightmares. I don't know. And then the dream sequence at the end of the first uh, Friday the 13th. Yeah. That's our only... That dream sequence is our only viewpoint into, like, what Jason maybe looked like when he was alive. And, like, that's just a nightmare. So, like, we don't have anything to go off of. Like, that's where Jason's whole being an adult in the second film really becomes this, like, major question. Okay, so the original screenwriter for Friday the 13th, Victor Miller, was really unhappy that they made sequels and that they made Jason the Killer because he wrote it so that Jason was meant to be dead. He wanted the focus to be 
on the reveal of it being Pamela Voorhees, and he, I think he might have had some mummy issues, because he said that he <laughs> wanted to write her as a strong female character that people would want to be their mum, because who wouldn't want a mum that would kill for them? Metaphorically, <laughs> I get that. But yeah, but, I, get, I get it. Basically, he actually said in an interview, Jason was dead from the beginning. He was a victim. He wasn't supposed to be a villain. Yeah. And that was meant to be what he wanted to be taken away from Friday the 13th. Like, wow, I love that so much more. Yeah, it, exactly. It's so, so good. Which is why he was so annoyed when they made the sequels and made Jason grow up and be a, a killer and be alive and stuff. And he was just like, all right, fuck me then. So he never had anything to do with them anymore. Basically, it, originally, Miller had the script end with Alice just floating on the lake. Sort of like at the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre where she was just supposed to look like, oh my god, I survived. Like, thank God, and then it was just supposed to fade out. I um, love that. Yeah, I would have loved that ending. But Tom Savini said, I'd just seen Carrie, so I thought that we needed a chair jumper. So Tom Savini is the reason why they did that dream sequence. I, I would have loved to have been around when Friday the 13th Part 1 came out and was just a standalone, like, wow, that's something. I want to do a Friday the 13th episode. I have a lot to say about a lot of these movies because not all of them take place in a summer camp. The first few That's what I was are great. Jason takes Manhattan. <laughs> only, only one, two, and five take place in a summer camp. As much as I think the first one is like great, awesome standalone film, there's sure. so much lore that I love behind the rest of them. I'm going to say one more thing about Friday the 13th and I'm going to leave the rest of it for our Friday the 13th episode. But I did find out this one of a really cool fact. So you know how in our uh, Valentine's special, I was talking about how Paul and Jenny were like the coolest final couple. And oh yeah. Like they're just a really good horror couple. Um, I still stand by that. But I said that like it was up in the air whether they were a final couple because you don't really know whether Paul survives at the end because you don't see him. You found out? Well, it turns out that the third film was supposed to... So obviously Ginny and Paul are in the second film. Um, In the third film, the original plan was that it was all going to be about Ginny and that the storyline was going to focus on her learning self-defense and like preparing herself basically to take him on um as revenge kind of like laurie style and it was like her returning to college and talking about her like post-traumatic stress from her ordeal and then her tracking down jason to take revenge and like how fucking cool would that have been for a movie yeah where's that one it all fell apart because uh, Amy Steele, the actress who played Ginny, refused to reprise her role. And so they all, instead of finding someone to replace her, they went, oh, fuck it then. Do something else. Oh, no. Right? God. I was so we- annoyed when I found that out. I was like, are you kidding me? I would love to see that movie so yeah. much. So like, many times that- with stuff like this, we get so close to getting something that could have been amazing. Exactly. I also left out a really important part of that. It also started with her then going back to college and finding Paul's head decapitated in her dorm room. Yeah, we got it. So we dare do find out what was meant to have happened to Paul. And apparently that's what strikes her to be like, I'm I'm tracing him down and I'm going to fuck him up. That kind of gives the dreams a bit more purpose. Yeah, like something's going on there beyond what we see. Yeah, like if Camp Crystal Lake is then cursed and not just stalked by a maniac. Right. 
like I thought watching these films and stuff that I would really like to see a more supernatural summer camp movie because I mean yeah. personally if I was at a summer camp in the woods there is a lot more fucked up shit in the woods than just like killers to me oh absolutely like there is a whole lot of cursed land there is like so many spirits and there's so many like um Monsters. cryptids and things like yeah. that that you yeah, can play give me with a fucking monster right? like, i'll even take like a big rabid bear yeah like just something <laughs> that isn't a guy with an axe or something like that because yeah oh like what's what's this guy gonna be holding yeah. like what's his like staple weapon like oh this guy's got shears like <laughs> Okay, there, there's a reason why that isn't, why you'll find things like that in the camping genre, like ritual, rather than the summer camp genre. So like summer camp genre, you think of like the cabins, the bunks, the people's dynamics. It's human depravity that tears these structures and microcosms of the world apart rather than supernatural. Supernatural get in cabins in the woods because it's isolation. It's the unknown coming within Camping movies like The Ritual, you'll get the supernatural from without. You get the cursed land. You get people who have inhabited the land natively prior to, you know, the existence of whatever your modern camping situation is because you're trespassing now. So that becomes another issue. So with summer camp, you're established. It's a microcosm of the world. And this is strangers and tribalism coming in at its peak. It's whether or not the campers are going to band together for this up against this stranger or if this stranger is going to tear them apart. Yeah. I'm just one a monster. Um, I would love to see Mothman goes to summer camp. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was so much waiting for a movie to dethrone the Friday the 13th franchise. And while I do think that the first three sleepaway camps are a better, more cohesive story than a lot of what we get in Friday the 13th, for all of its disjointedness and like supposition and lore... There's so much to go off of Friday the 13th that does stay consistent. It's a hard thing to dethrone. I I tried all these different movies. We tried The Burning. We tried Madman. And that's like the quintessential summer camp film, even for only three of its films taking place at a summer camp. It set the guideline for all the tropes. It set the guideline for the, the kills, sort of all the different fear elements that you can take advantage of in that setting. There hasn't been much new ground since, and that's why there's so much parody after the fact. Like you guys said, I wish the first Friday the 13th was a different movie or or franchise altogether. I say that about Saw, too. The first three Saw movies are a cohesive story. Yeah. We'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) But just like the, the revenge of a grieving mother is is so so interesting mm-hmm. and like i don't get me wrong i fucking love jason he might be one of my favorite characters in horror i just think he's very fun i love a frankenstein just a big man uh anyway <laughs> so but th- i just love love that first one uh real quick i do want to talk to you guys about which campers and killers you think best utilized their camp skills boy scouts versus zombies i didn't get to watch that it's like Zombie Land if they were capable. <laughs> like if I was still a Boy Scout and that happened to me. Wait, so does it, you did you did camp? I think you're the only one out of us that had a summer camp experience. I went to summer camp for one day and I came home and my mom said, How was camp? And I went, hated it. <laughs> and I never went back. <laughs> 
I didn't learn anything. It was literally just like, you know, the kind of camp where they just ship you out to just to occupy you for the day. And I was like, I can go fucking ride my bike and hang out with my friends at home. Like, fuck this. And also, I was like a, a chubby little guy. So summer camp doesn't really play to my strengths. Anthony, I feel as though you have a list of capable campers. Yeah, I, I can't don't. think of any that really <laughs> used survival skills that they might have learned from camp. Because from the looks of all the movies I watched, all they were learning at camp was how to fuck and drink and smoke <laughs> and walk around naked for no reason. So, I mean, it definitely was a good advert for me if I was living in America and raising children to not ever send my kids to camp. So it did, I, don't, I don't think it did much to the summer camp industry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't think anyone really used their skills well. The most genius thing that I think anyone did in any of the summer camp films was Friday the 13th 2 when Jenny puts on Pamela Voorhees' sweater and it, like tries to talk him down to pretend oh, yeah. by, by pretending that's to be That's the final girl. Yeah, that yeah. that was that's the most genius thing I can think of. The only thing that I can think of is like in The Burning where all the the older campers just like make a raft out of nothing. Oh yeah. But that's yeah, not really to escape been... the killer, that's just because they're like, oh shit, our canoes have gone. Right, so they are using the resources, and, but yeah. Um, they all can... immediately get killed. They have that raft for like a minute. Yeah. Because Cropsy can walk on water or whatever. I think he was in the canoe, I guess is what they were implying. Yeah. But like, I've been in a canoe before. I have a hard enough time standing, let alone killing four teenagers. <laughs> We know My, that he's not superhuman or, like, supernatural because we literally watch him recover from the accident and then walk away. So we know that, like, he's just a normal human being. He's crazy strong, though. Is I was he? literally hiking earlier today. No, there's a, there's a few moments um, where we were on the trail and... One of my friends had a hatchet with him, and I tried. We were taking turns trying to like drive it into a stump, and it's so hard to do that to get it even like a couple centimeters in. But I watched this guy impale somebody on a pair of gardening shears, lift him up into the air, and then pin him to a tree with those same shears. That's fair. Like, are you yeah. are you kidding me? <laughs> with like with literally no sort of force behind it, other than just like a slow push. He's got a little sauce in them bones. I that's the one another thing about Tom Savini effects like no one has any bones or muscle behind their skin it, everything just slides in as if yeah, it's, it's like just, goo like skin is goo I, to Tom Savini he has no idea what is underneath skin I think every effects makeup artist should take a uh, series of anatomy classes I I thought that that was that's... like a given that they were meant to study human anatomy before they did their makeup because I don't understand how you can be a special effects makeup artist without knowing basic anatomy we will we do, we'll do we'll do a makeup episode but also i don't yeah. hate tom savini this isn't me just saying like i hate no tom i know savini. this is so it's, crazy for <laughs> it just annoys me that there are so much better artists out there that aren't as well known and that really bothers me so many women too actually i'm going to talk about one of them in my recommendations so anthony tell us about your super good campers that you apparently know a lot of no, so I was right there no. with you for the burning, uh, the utilization of the raft. That's mm. like one of the only times we really see campers doing camp stuff. And they took the time out to go through the process of like finding wood and like different things that'll keep the raft afloat. And the burning's probably my pick for best campers. Oh, whoops. Sorry. <laughs> no, it, it's all good. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. 
Uh, and I probably would have pegged Angela from Sleepaway Camp all three for best utilization of her surroundings for actually killing people. She just had to get the job done. Yeah. Everything was done within the confines of the camp. What she had, the archery kill in Sleepaway Camp One so is good. so good. But also the drill where oh. she just went. She was just like really disappointed by what the person says, and she went ah, and just reaches to the back of the car and like, "What are you getting?" She's like, "Just this drill," and just drills Here them. Here I go, like, killing again. <laughs> but it's just like <laughs> the disappointment when she's like, "Ah, oh, I have to get that drill from the back and kill this person now." My favorite That's very Ted Bundy. Sleepaway camp summer kill is the beehive in the bathroom. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Utilizes nature, surroundings, confinement. The only thing I didn't like about that is that the bees probably died. Bees are coming back? Yeah, bees are coming back. Bees too. <laughs> <laughs> so two more things about Sleepaway Camp. Maybe 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 six more things about Sleepaway Camp. What if we just scrap everything that isn't Sleepaway Camp in this episode and we just change it? Then we're just. I love that because Sleepaway nothing. Camp is the best Sleepaway summer camp series. I just want to praise the first one for uh, effort going in for two things. Uh, cast a lot of kids, which is I think maybe sort of almost illegal and not chill. Yeah. But it makes the the camp sequences very authentic because like these are literally children. And it makes the inciting incident that much more horrifying. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. At the time of filming, Felissa Rose was 13. Yeah. yeah, Are you about to say what I think you're about to say? I don't know. Go ahead. So because, uh, like you were saying, like, it's it's uncomfortable that they cast so many campers, but, like, dead on because it's a bunch of kids at a summer camp. Yeah. They did take the extra care to make sure that the kids were, like, not exposed to anything that's going to, like, mess them up, kind of like they did with The Shining. But Felissa Rose was not involved in any of the killing sequences they had. The boy who plays her cousin double as her. He was, like, her her murder stunt double throughout the first film. Yeah, it's so cool. You can kind of see him in the last kill. At At the lake where she cuts his head off? In the... When she kills the mean girl... With the curling iron. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't love that. There's a silhouette of, quote unquote, her at the door, but it's actually the cousin and you can like kind of tell. Oh, cool. I'll go back and watch that. Like, I, I think it's Shudder. Yeah, Shudder's got mm-hmm. Sleepaway Camp 1 through 3 on it. Yeah, just a couple like little fun setting tidbits. The screenwriter and director, uh, Robert Hitzik, went to that summer camp. Uh, camp camp Arawak? Camp Algonquin. Oh, is the uh, the actual original camp the used. actual camp? Yeah. Okay. I, I guess when they were location scouting, he was like, "I went to summer camp uh, in in upstate New York. Can we see if that's available?" And they got it. That's awesome. It's it's very very cool. But <laughs> they started filming in September and they went into October, so the leaves were starting to change color and like all the uh, the plants were starting to die, so they spent a lot of time just like spray painting the grass and the trees to keep them green <laughs> oh, for continuity. Oh my god! <laughs> just oh my like god. anything that that could have gone wrong with that we went wrong. Just like oh shit, nature is happening. Let's fucking paint. I don't know. And they still put out a baller movie. That's why it's it's ver- a lot of it is very dark, and I don't know if that is a directorial choice based on like a, a stylistic desire. Or if that's out of necessity to sort of mask the fact that, you know, 
they're shooting this way out of season. I do think it's out of necessity because you'll notice there's blue filter on a lot of the night sequences or like evening sequences, which would mm. mask a lot of color differences. Neat. The more you know. Do you have more sleepaway camp, Doza? None. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> of all the, the summer camp slashers out there, there's one that made my list that I really wanted to see and like really sought out but couldn't find uh, available for streaming anywhere, and that's Stage Fright. I watched it. That's my recommendation, you sucker. <laughs> okay, because like I never did summer camp, but I did theater camp, so Stage Fright sounded right up my alley. Not to be confused with Stage Fright from 1989 or Stage Fright from 1950, which are all about murder in theater. It's actually 87, and it's a much better Stage Fright. But th- this is your recommendation, right? Yeah, you fucking stole it from me, mother liquor. No, I just, I just brought it up. I didn't get a chance to watch it, and I wanted gonna to. I'm going to edit that out. Uh, it seemed like I brought it up for the first time, because I'm amazing. That's everything I have to say. Anthony, do you want us to want our fear of the day? Thank y'all for spending the summer at Haltsville Hill Summer Camp. Now, before you go on your merry way, we got a fear of the day. Do y'all want to guess what it is? Your fear of the day is... Hylophobia. Can I get that again in your normal voice? Hylophobia. H-Y-L-O-phobia. Hylo. Is it fear of staying away from home? I can't even find like a root word in this. No. I was going to say f- fear of plants. It sure is. It's <gasps> You're kidding. Plants, wilderness, and the outdoors. Oh, man. <gasps> oh. I'm glad you went fast because mine was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's a merit badge for counselor doza hey wait did you say nerd badge a merit badge that's much better <laughs> i want a merit badge so you guys got any recommendations not this week didn't think of one <laughs> <laughs> i i do what's your recommendation does so as a sort of nerd loser I, I like theater, and I watched Stage Fright. I really it, wanted to watch that. The 2014 one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to theater camp. I didn't do summer camp, but I did theater camp. So, like, this is high up on my list of want to watch. This was so, so close to being excellent. Like, I still really enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. But uh, it misses the mark on a couple things where it's a, a horror comedy musical. Oh. And, yeah. So they put, you can tell that they put in all the effort into the first song uh, and like the closing, like the big closing number and all the songs in the middle are kind of like the same. Like they wrote two lines of a song and they were like, oh, that's good enough. Have them repeat it until we finish this scene. But they're doing at a theater camp, a Kabuki style revival of the haunting of the opera, which parodies the Phantom of the Opera. This is peppered with references to other horror movies there's a scene where they're building like all the sets and the kid is wearing very clearly a leatherface inspired outfit and he's got the table saw and he's waving it above his head like the end of the uh, the film with the chainsaw and it's it's very fun you see a lot of tropes that are spoofed on in fun and innovative ways so like if you're a theater nerd and you're into horror at least a little bit like fucking check this one out i've laughed out loud uh, it's another whodunit where like who the fuck is this killer i wish the singing was better uh but meatloaf is the fucking owner of the camp amazing i love that he seems like he would actually be a camp owner as well 
Truly, he walks, the first time you see him, he's got the fakest mustache you've ever seen in your whole life. And I was like, hell yeah, Meatloaf, you just, you needed a paycheck, huh, bud? <laughs> but he sings, and it's, it's, it's a lot, a lot of fun. Like, I would fucking watch it again tonight. As I said before, I don't really know a lot of summer camp movies, so I couldn't find an extra one to, to make a recommendation. <laughs> so uh, I just thought about, like, the woods as a setting, I guess. I don't know if I've, I've talked about it before, but my recommendation is Pumpkinhead. Um, yeah, because wow. Pumpkinhead is one of the best movies ever for so many different reasons, but I'm going to talk about that on an episode where like, we're talking about Pumpkinhead because <laughs> otherwise I'll be here forever. But um, it's the directorial debut of one of my my top three makeup artists of all time, Stan Winston. The creature design for Pumpkinhead is one of the most flawless creature designs in horror history to me. It's beautiful. The plotline is... Well, this is a story of a good man named Ed who left his son for a moment and returned, found him dead. That's the opening line of the Misfits song, Pumpkinhead. Um, but that is actually the synopsis of the movie. Um, so, uh, this guy called Ed uh, leaves his son for a moment um, and he gets kind of a pet cemetery deal. He gets hit by a car, but it's a hit and run from a bunch of teenagers. And so, obviously, like, distraught by the whole thing, he then goes into the woods and casts, like, a voodoo spell to summon the demon Pumpkinhead to revenge, avenge his son. But it all goes wrong, because he loses control of the <laughs> demon, and then he has to take over and slay the demon. But it's it's just so... It's fun, but it's dark, and it's campy, but it's serious, but it's... it's Dan Winston is an absolute genius, and people should know who he is, like more than Tom Savini. I mean, <laughs> Jurassic Park, Aliens, Terminator, uh, Edward's hands, like, he's done some of the best makeup jobs ever. As I mentioned before, my recommendation is Bunks. Uh, it is fun, campy, it's kind of also everything that we talked about what we wanted out of a summer camp film. Uh, the campers are resourceful. You are on their side. They're putting their summer camp skills to use, much like uh, Dozy said in uh, Scouts versus Zombies. It's cursed land. There is a curse that is part of the zombie apocalypse that's about to happen and some of the other supernatural things that happen at this camp. But it's a fun, wild ride that is not specifically a parody of the genre, but makes a nice contribution to it. And with that, thank you guys for tuning into the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. I'm Anna. Happy hauntings. See you in hell. See you next summer. <laughs> <laughs>